Central's calling in for help in 8 Block. I knew it! This is bad. Sit tight. This may be quick. Doesn't sound like it. Oh, God. Lockdown! Yeah, yeah, he said it! He said it! Fancast. And now, your host, Mr. Redbeard and Mick. Welcome to episode number 65 of the We're Alive Fancast, where we cover every new release of the We're Alive audio drama, Lockdown. I'm Redbeard. I'm Mick. We are covering episode one today, so if you haven't listened to it, go do that. Yes, part one of six of We're Alive Lockdown. We're about to spoil it up, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very thoroughly. Yes. Uh, if you did not listen to the preview or the preview coverage, the scenes where the Maulers had Simon hostage, we are not covering that again. That's in episode 64. Right. And, uh, you know, I've been doing the dictionary word of the day and been making a joke out of using it in everyday speech <laughs> or texting with our buddies, you know? Yeah. Uh, the word of the day one day this week was puckish. What, really? Yeah, puckish. I've never heard of that. Uh, neither have I. What does it mean? It's an adjective, and it's playful, especially in a mischievous way. Uh, that kind of fits. Yeah. <laughs> especially when Muldoon and everybody was around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, let's... We haven't talked about this uh, together yet since the feedback we received, but let's let's address the spoiler thing about okay. uh, covering things from Series 1. Uh, I feel like... Um, we should do refreshers as things come along after listening to this part one. I think we should do refreshers just like uh, when somebody's mentioned that was in series one that we just kind of refresh. Hey, if you don't remember, this this guy was this thing and uh, it might be interesting because of this and all that. What do you think? Sounds good. Okay. It's not like we're going to retell the entire series one anyway. So Right. And there's you no, know, <laughs> we're not going to. And then it came out and said, bang, bang, pew, pew. It's not quite the same when we do it as whenever Casey and all the Foley work and sound effects. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to Series 1 and you're relying on us to give you an accurate depiction of what took place, you'll be sad. Right. <laughs> season 1 and 4. So for these mental refreshers, we'll call out the ones we can, but please send them to us also. That way we can it can help round out everybody's experience and we'll share them. As we cover. Cool. And I don't have any corrections. This is the part of the show where you guys could let us know where we screwed up. And we'll uh, be glad to say what the right thing that happened was. And there's a lot of times listening back to the last episode where we were just... Like, I, you know, I thought that Puck was a medic. And halfway through the show I realized he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other things where we just like had to stop and kind of look things up. Because it's been a while. Oh, yeah. So hook us up with that. It doesn't bother us at all if you let us know what we're wrong on something. We're not experts, right? We're not at all. (laughs) 
If you go back and listen to previous episodes where Casey wants to play the World Out Trivia games, we always fail miserably. Yes. <laughs> and we got an iTunes review this week. We did. We did. I didn't even see it. This was, uh, we got a five stars titled, Yay, You're Back. And it's by our good friend Jillybean.g, if you remember her. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. She said, can't wait to listen in after every lockdown episode. Keep up the good work, guys. Woohoo! So thank you, Jillybean. And uh, glad to see you're still listening. Sticking with us even when the site was down. <laughs> <laughs> Through the, the, the bad times. Oh, Arvac. <sighs> <laughs> That's funny. I wonder if we can go back and listen to old episodes where you're saying good things about Arvex. Oh, until they got sold off to a large conglomerate, it was they were pretty incredible. That's right. I remember you telling me how much you liked them. And then as soon as they got sold, you were like, I'm not so sure how this is going to go down. <laughs> and it went down all right. Oh, it did. <laughs> you know what's, what's weird? Uh, one more tangent before we to move on. Uh, so we've had a few different friends of, of mine that and my brother and people like that that I got into We're Alive since we've done the podcast and since the show hasn't been out. And I could think of three, maybe four people that have listened to it in the, in the entirety and then went back and listened to our show also. Now it's kind of weird that they're going to be listening along real time with us. Oh, that is weird. Mm-hmm. Like my buddy uh, David, um, brother Tyler. Bobby kind of listened with us during the thing, or did he listen af- afterwards? Uh, I think he caught up near the end and followed along with us. Mm-hmm. And Josh, I think he, 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 I think he listened towards the end of the show, maybe. Yeah. Right. But it's glad to have those my friends along with us now, and uh, looking forward to them listening. Well, and Ash should be caught up soon. Ash, he should. He's he's powering through, letting us know, and just sending weird, uh, no context text messages <laughs> of like, "Yeah, I agree with you." <laughs> like, like with what? What? <laughs> yeah, that thing about. Hey, you guys like, are wrong on that thing one time. Yeah, he's been giving us corrections for the gatekeeper being dead because <laughs> we keep talking about is gatekeeper alive? You know, in like episode two or three, but he was definitely dead from season three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, come on, give us a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm good, man. I'm ready to go if you are. All right. Uh, Well, you know, the next note in here is talking about the al- album art. So do you want to go ahead and jump into that? Sure. Yeah. We uh talked a little bit about it last time, but you went through and did some cool stuff with it that's in the show notes. Yeah, I went through and kind of made my best assumptions as to who was who based on the descriptions out of the show. So if you go over to we're, uh, if you go over to mickred.com and go to the Whirlaw Fancast, you'll see the you know the labeled artwork. So I went through and identified like Jody's the you know the short Hispanic girl that's in the prison jumpsuit in the middle, and so on and so forth, and just kind of label them all out. Now, based on the descriptions, I have to guess that the African American man in the middle like standing in front of Fredo is Bogart. I don't know that for sure. But the, the reason I say that is because Chuck has a uh, blue and yellow uh, jumpsuit that Simon said was the med ward. And Bogart has an all blue jumpsuit because he's a low threat. What I thought was weird though, is the guy wearing the yellow and blue jumpsuit is a white guy. And I don't know if that's a casting change later or if this is a totally different character. 
So I started thinking, does Chuck die early? Yeah, good point. I uh, I didn't even think to match up their, their suits with uh, what they say. And uh, I think he said Simon has a tan jumpsuit. I believe, yeah. They yeah, mean, he's they crouched that. down in the front. You may have misspoke and said blue, but I, I know you meant tan. Oh, okay. If I did, I'm sorry. Because actually, that's gonna. I think that's gonna make a difference, and I didn't realize that till looking some stuff up today. I can't wait till we make it to that part. Yeah, me too. So just go check that out. I may be wrong on some of this, but just so you know, it's it's out there. Give you a little insight to the characters, possibly. And the real name of Ink is also on there. So ch- be sure to check out the website to see that uh, if you're not already familiar with it. Yes, mickred.com. Click on the We Are Live section. Yeah. Well, uh, and just to go over a few things from the last episode that I thought were kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was July thir- uh, 13th of 2010. It's been a little over a year because we talked about not remembering how long it's been. It seemed like because the episodes took so long to come out that it had been it maybe a couple of years, but it's only been a year since the outbreak-ish. Where did you catch it was July 10th, 2013? Uh, it's July 13th, oh, 2010. Where did you catch that? Sorry. Uh, well, the CJ later on is in the interrogation room and she slates the interview mm-hmm. and says it's July 14th, 2010. And they actually went and attacked the Maulers the day before. Okay, gotcha. And then, so May 8th of... 2009. 2009. Is the day of the outbreak. <clears throat> so four, four-ish years into it? Huh? No, it's one year. Oh, that's right. You said 2010. I had 2013 stuck in my head for some reason. <laughs> my bad. It was, it was May 8th. May 8th, 2009. <laughs> May 8th, 2009 is the outbreak. And then uh, I, just to, to reiterate, like the quality of the, this recording is crazy. And, may, and, I, and I know it's, oh, it's progressed since episode one, but I went back and listened with the good headphones and... Like in that very first scene, you could hear the knife sharpening and you could hear the crackling of the fire. It was just incredible. Uh, and, and hearing the rat and everything else, it was just, and, uh, even the concussive force sound that we talked about in the last episode, it was just there. I don't know if I can listen to it through cheap headphones or cheap, you know, listen to it from the phone anymore. I have to have the good headphones to do it. Yes. At the very least, I've got to be in my car, which, I love to listen to it in my car, but I can't take notes when I'm doing that, when I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's, it's really good. Some nice headphones on for sure. But, uh, and then all the detail that's been put into these so far, like Puck being able to identify weapons by sound, you know, that's something you don't normally think about. But whenever he, uh, he asked if they were still alive, and it's because he identified their rifles or handguns or whatever they were shooting back. Because the unidentified female that was from the colony that we think maybe Hope uh, was uh, picked up their weapons already and started to use them to fight off the infected. And then uh, the other thing it is it's a quasi correction. You know we were talking about is this the last of the Maulers? And I went back and listened to the wording and it was a little bit clearer this time that uh, that may have been the last of them. So we may see more of them. Okay, yeah. If uh, they continue more present-day stuff. 
Or yeah. or the the side stories that they're hinting on that they're working on. Or some of my crazy theories I'll talk about at the end of the uh of this episode. Oh good, 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 good. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh so I mean that's all I've got from you know the pre you know the first scene that we've already covered. Yeah. So we can jump right into the interview. You wanna take the lead on this one? What? Sure. <laughs> yeah uh also the sound of them killing that rat when i told i totally missed that in the last uh the preview coverage but you can hear it sounds like them maybe shooting a bow or something when they kill that rat in the preview coverage or pre- preview piece but yeah i'm ready to start the scene by scene coverage and the music is back dude i got so excited oh yes because i, I was wondering you know i was kind of like you the last time i was like where was it i, I didn't hear it and I didn't hear it this time either when I with the full episode until that scene was done. Right. It's uh, the first thing you hear after the or, you know the first fifteen minutes of the preview stuff, and it's good. It's got it's a little different too, but I think it's great. I'm glad that they went back to the piano. Oh yeah, uh, I was I was very happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. So familiar. So familiar. Yes, it is. So we start out. Uh, I, I believe Outpost One. Because they didn't, or did they bring it back to the colony? Do you know? They're back. They're back in the colony because they talk. He uh, Simon talks about seeing the large walls. Okay, and uh, CJ Puck and Oliver are in the scene, and we have uh, Simon is in a room where he's being kind of interrogated. He's chained down, and CJ begins the interview. We also learn of some other tidbits, like major construction going on in the training center nearby. So that's kind of showing the kind of things that are going on at the colony. You know, and that was a good part, too, because Puck says, I can't be there because of the construction. And uh, CJ kind of, you know, reassures him that I'm going to record the whole thing. But we get kind of the plight of the listeners for, you know, us is that, oh, but now I have to wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. As she starts the, uh, the interview, she wants to get, you know, his backstory. And it's kind of weak. After he gets out of the Twin Towers jail, there wasn't a whole lot of meat to the story, except he spent a lot of time wandering around alone until the some point where the Maulers picked him up, which seems like it was kind of recently. Yeah, it was two weeks, or a couple, it said a couple weeks prior to that. But yeah, that's not, he's here to tell the story, and there's not a whole lot to him. Or is there? Or is there? <laughs> I think I've got a note to talk about that later. Yeah, I do too. Sorry, I'm not, so, I wasn't set up to uh, to lead oh, the drive, oh, it, but I I can I can uh, adapt and overcome here. Oh, it, it's cool either way, so I'm good. Okay, so CJ is recording. Simon's chained to the table, like we're saying. It, and that was the other thing is like uh, Puck was showing a little bit of concern, and then CJ said, "What you know? What's he going to do? He's chained to the table," mm-hmm. and it almost seemed foreshadowing, like. What's the worst that could happen, and then the worst happens? Right. You know, oh, here's this gun that was never going to go off and sit over here. <laughs> yeah. You wait for it to go off. Yeah, good point. So we learned that this guy's uh, 29 years old. His name's Simon, and he was an inmate in Twin Towers Jail, which is uh, featured prominently in Season 4 of We Are Alive. It's a, it's a scary place. Yes. This guy. Yeah. He was born and raised in California, 
this real quick little bio on him. Dropped out of high school, got a machine job, lost it a year before the outbreak, which probably had a part in leading to him stealing a truck of electronics and, or something, he says, and gets caught later. He's in jail about two months, about to be transferred upstate on the day of the outbreak, May 8th. We get a little bit of music as we transition into uh, T-Block, transportation wing. Yeah. Anything? I got some notes here before we, could, before we move on. How bad is the breakfast? Uh, because it's, at some point, he, they ask, you know, how, how your breakfast was, and he says he preferred the rat that was served to him by these, you know, vile maulers. How bad does well, breakfast have to be at the colony for him to prefer raw rat? I don't know. I was kind of wondering that, too, because it's not too long after this, the last series ended, so I kind of wonder, like, how are they doing on crops? I'm sure they're not growing tons of grain or anything like that. But whatever he was eating, it sounded like it was out of a bowl of spoon. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know. It's probably something along the lines of Vegemite, which is awful. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, maybe rat starts to taste good when you're being held captive. It's the only thing you're looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Simon seemed kind of hesitant to want to tell this story because he didn't want to relive it. So, you know, the stuff's probably pretty dark. That's right. He uh, asks something about, well, what if I don't tell you? Yeah. Well, we sent away. We learn more about the colony following, I think it's more than we knew, following the events of Chapter 48 on Series 1. Uh, just some ground rules. Assault is grounds for exile, and assault leading to death will be penalized by death. Sounds, I mean, pretty level-headed, like a way to lead a group in the apocalypse. Yeah, and Simon almost took that as a threat. But and gets a little hostile to it. I'm like, is he just scared or what what what's that reaction? Mm-hmm. But I I would be terrified. I don't know any of these people. Right. And CJ says she wants to do this interview on her own. And I totally buy that that she would want to be, you know, driving this interview and learning what she can and taking notes and not that she's not trusting other people, but she just sees the importance and learning everything she can about Twin Towers Jail. And as an insight for those that may not have listened to Series 1, she had a private place of her own that with a catalog of information, whether it was footage from that location or various cameras she had set up. We don't really know what her career was prior to the outbreak, do we? I don't think we do. Like, it not... Was it she just a cop or? Oh, I don't, I don't. I don't think we ever found out for sure. I'd have to go back and look at old show notes to see if I if I captured that, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember for sure, but she's uh very thorough though. Yes. All right, so we have a new named character. At least the first time I've heard of him, Oliver. Yes, we have Oliver, and he wasn't in the wiki, so I wasn't familiar with who he was. Okay, good. He's uh, helping to record, but he's also manning the radio to let CJ know, I guess, if anything goes on, goes wrong around the colony. Yes. All right. And I'm about to transition into Twin Towers Jail, unless you have any more notes for this scene. Uh, I do not. All right. So inside the Twin Towers Jail, we find that we're in a holding area. And this holding area is, it's got some, I guess, some benches or maybe tables. No, it's benches, actually, and there's places that to chain the inmates in, or chain the inmates to the floor, 
so they can't go anywhere while they're waiting for their ride to go to either court or a doctor's appointment or various other places. Did something just come on? Yes, my AC just came on. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's really uh, it's revving up, and it's about to start coming through the ceiling here in a second. So it, it, it's uh, cubicles, two offices, one padded cell, and one bigger holding room. Yeah, down this down this hallway, I believe. But there in the room, I don't think has that that has all that. The room is just that's the the cell. large yeah, that's the large holding room that they're in. Later on, we find out there's also a holding room for females. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, no, I'm saying the holding room is just the benches and the chain. That's oh right, that's right along that hallway that has the other things. And uh, they're they're situated in such a way that you know only certain people can see what's happening outside this room, and other people can't. So they're pretty constrained in here. Uh, we meet a few different people in this room, like Chuck and Bogart, Dykstra, and we'll talk about them here in a second. And Jeremy Andrews, and <laughs> yeah, as they're walking. Simon to this holding room. The female guard asked the uh, the other male guard, which ended up being Mark and Danny or Daniel. Right. Uh, is this him? And he replies, "Trust me, when you you you'd know him if you if it was." And I think they're referring to Ink at this point too, because he's kind of a a hot topic around there right now. Oh yeah, and Danielle is pretty new from what we can tell. I like this character. Um she's pretty she's green, she's nice, she actually wants to help the inmates and ha- hasn't gotten callous yet. But she's uh starting to look she's gonna have to learn the ropes a little bit. Unfortunately she might not get the chance to do that. <laughs> Everybody will be learning new ropes. <laughs> So we get a lot of banter and dialogue once uh, Simon's put into the holding room mm-hmm. among all of the other inmates. Chuck being the loudest. Yes, he's really <laughs> filling everybody in on what's going on. And they make allusions to him have been talking a long time before Simon got there. And he continues to talk a lot. Yeah, Simon points out that Chuck has a really good memory about useless info. <laughs> And uh, the thought is that he was a numbers guy for a large company and he was trimming numbers off the books and that he's the one that has the yellow blue jumpsuit and may the, which may be the med ward. Right. So we got various jumpsuits. We have blue for low threat. Tan is general population. Red is a uh, violent uh, criminals uh, and yellow blue is thought to be the med ward. So that's the ones I caught. I don't know if there are any more. Yes. There's also plain yellow from the artwork, but I never heard those mentioned. No, neither did I. But so uh, we get these various different characters, like uh, Chuck, who I gotta say I like Chuck. He's how do too. He's a, a very interesting. He's got a lot of things going on. I think we learn in this this section that he's yeah he's been there seven years. Yeah, which is a long time to be in jail. I mean, you're waiting to you know you're doing your court thing and. You're either going to be found innocent or guilty and sent to, to prison or, you know, whatever punishment you're given. So seven years in jail is a long time. I it's, I think there's going to be more to this than... Yeah, I mean, they, they pointed, he pointed out that it's an ongoing trial with several delays and that the actual sentence for the crime he committed would have already been carried out by now. Right. Which is awful. Yes. 
Uh, also, one inmate isn't in chains, Jeremy, who uh, says he's a trustee, which I guess uh, I looked up in jails. It could be somebody who's, you know, been on really good behavior and they're given a little bit of responsibility and expected to not mess around while they're not in chains. Yeah. So a lot of times they carry out the jobs like the library type activities where they carry around books to the various inmates or they, you know, uh, work with gathering lunches for the other inmates or they're put on special duties or whatever are allowed to be a barber. So because cutting hair is kind of where you're trusted with sharp objects. Right. And uh, Casey's talked a little bit about his brother being named Jeremy or is it that is or about his brother who's named Jeremy. And I wonder if uh brother was kind of trying to twist his arm. Hey, get my name in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering if that was the deal with Roger. What's uh is what's Roger's? Roger Dodger. Oh, Roger Dodger. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I didn't know if that was somebody else kind of doing that too. But I didn't know his brother's name was Jeremy. I I, I must have missed that. Let's see. And do you find Chuck is a bad guy? Uh, you see, you see no. him as a bad guy. No, he's very well. Even if he is, he's very likable. Yeah. Well. I see him as likable and interesting. I don't think I can't tell if they do. I don't know if they do. But he's um he's interesting. He's certainly clever. The way that he goes about, you know, telling people how he knows things and how he tells Simon that <laughs> that he he'd heard about him, you know, but really he'd just seen the information on Danny's clipboard or whatever. Yeah, I'll notice and all the little nuances. Mm-hmm. And even even Mark, the guard, had mentioned that too. He's like, he saw the wedding ring on me one time, and he, he uses it against them. Right. And um, we also, let's see, we get introduced to Jody a little bit here. At least she gets named, because Chuck hears her tapping on a pipe from another part of the prison. And they're communicating by Morse code, it sounds like, which is really awesome. And I, I wonder if this is going to come into come into play later. Well, and I tried to see if they use standard uh, Morse code for just the show purposes. Yeah. But it's it's not. And most of the time, prison Morse code is not the same as standard Morse code either. Makes sense. So we also found out that Bogart is a fairly religious guy. Right, yeah. He's a religious rapper. Yeah. Simon says he may have been Catholic. So, mm. I don't know, I just thought that was interesting in the little window. It is interesting. I missed it. I just put religious guy. I wasn't sure what his faith was. And, yeah, like you said, he, he uh, he's, a, he's a wordsmith of sorts. <laughs> he has some good ones here and there. Yeah. Well, and I have some notes, some more notes in the prison on the jumpsuit colors. I'm going to save those to the end, unless you wanted okay. to cover them now. Uh, whatever you want to do. If you want to just roll through the scene-by-scene coverage, then we can do that. Sure. So, if you have any more notes, if you have any more notes before Fredo arrives, let me know. Um, let me skim through this real quick. So, at this point, Chuck's grilling Jeremy to keep an eye out. He wants to know who's coming when, who's going where, and they he already has a sense that something's going on. And I, I and I, I was curious as to what he had heard before that, but he I, he knew something was going to happen today. And, you know, Chuck's got the crazy memory and he's got a knack for knowing things out of out of the ordinary. 
So I was curious what was going through his head, what he thought might happen. Yeah, I noticed that too. He was he seemed to be on edge and I couldn't tell if it was if he was on edge because he thought that something was going on or if he was just worried that something was going to go wrong and just really mess up his chance of getting out. Yeah, cuz he he said, you know, Jeremy was like he was kind of dismissive like there's nothing why are you making such a big deal out of all of this? And he goes, "Oh, you might be onto something." He said they're checking on the padded cell across the hall. I think someone is in there. Must have just moved him in. Mhm. And he mentions, Chuck mentions other inmates that we haven't quite been introduced to yet, but there's names. You know, they're uh, Bill the Biter, Stabby, and Funk. Right. And I, okay, and then Bogart does his his little freestyling, uh, uh, the little Steel Blade Precision uh, lyric. And I, I was wondering, I wonder who wrote these. Uh, is this Casey's uh, Secret Passion? Is this his uh, way of giving us a musical? <laughs> Oh man, yeah. We need to hear. I want to hear Casey flow like the Bogart here. <laughs> Sounds great. Ready to drive on? Yeah, I'm ready to drive on. Okay, so uh, moving on. Fredo arrives. He's described as this massive character who's being brought in by people who, while they're talking tough with them, they don't sound quite a hundred percent confident with dealing with them. To be honest, he's a Big guy in a red jumpsuit and comes from, I believe, block eight. Yes. So um, they bring him in. We get a little bit of back information on him, which we'll talk about. Uh, we learn that he's a hitman. And for the Mexicasi. Yes. We learn also that there's rumors he could be working for one of the families, which will re- oh, yeah. refresh you on that as well. But you know, I thought it was very interesting. I uh, I kind of like Fredo. I really like Fredo. Yeah, uh, he. You know, we find out that Danielle speaks Spanish, and she's talking to him and being polite with him, and he's polite back and says thank you, and mm-hmm. and that's about all we hear out of him. Like he says something when they first got in there. I didn't really catch it, and he said thank you to her, and then from there on, it's like grunts. Okay, so Fredo did speak to her. He said uh, something that I could not and could not really. Understand it wasn't very loud, and I listened to it over and over again, trying to write down what it was in Google Translate, and nothing was coming up. And then I tried to speak into Google Translate. <laughs> oh man! And I was just coming up, and there was like one of the things was like chugato or chugato, and like you know part of it sounded like cat. So I, I was oh I was way off, but he, yeah, he may have said something about the people already in the room when he first came in. Mm-hmm. I didn't really go back and listen to it real hard. The only thing he said to the female guard was "gracias," and he's like, that was it. Right. Well, he, he says something, says a, a phrase to somebody in this scene, and um, after saying it a few different times to to Google Translate, the last thing I got before I just quit because I knew I was done was a uh, Google Translate thought I said "thank you, Miley Cyrus." So <laughs> I've got the screenshot of it. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's when I quit. Uh, apparently, Otto Sturck, who played Vic, was right. I'm I cannot speak Spanish. <laughs> so oh, wherever you are, Miley, thank you. Hope, hope you're listening. Oh, she is. <laughs> if you know my everybody, tweet Miley Cyrus. Let her know that she's got to listen to the Weird Life Fancast. <laughs> Super fans. Oh. So okay, Fredo. Another incredibly interesting guy we don't know much about, except we kind of do, but 
<laughs> we don't know much about him in this form. Yeah, Chuck, you know, during that first part, he just says he's known. And until he, until Freitas pulled back out into the hall to finalist transfer, nobody says anything. No. Because they're scared of him. Yeah, they're really and quiet. Chuck even said that he's near the top of the list of people not to piss off. Right. Chuck thinks he's pretty high on the list, but Fredo's <laughs> near the top. So, you already mentioned families. In season one, we learned of one of these families. And, uh, like, Scratch was part of that family. And they had a ring, and it had a bird on it. This ring that they talk about, the Chuck ends up describing, mm-hmm. has three circles. And he starts talking about the rules and things like that. You're not allowed to alter their minds. The family's not allowed to progress uh, until there's a life for a life. And if they ever pull a weapon, they have to draw blood. But it's funny that Simon has never seen The Godfather. He's never seen The Goodfellas. He didn't know what skull and bones were. <laughs> and I, I just thought I thought that was amusing. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that they, Yeah. I guess that was the easiest way to explain to him, you know, what the mafia is like. But he hadn't seen any of the movies, so yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was one of my funny. That was one of the funny lines in this too. It came from this this scene, but we'll talk about that later. Now, okay, so when Fredo says "gracious," dude, it is so bad, man. I mean, good, bad. <laughs> I mean, the bass in the dude's voice—you can really, you can get a feel for how big this dude is. Not to be messed with. And they say, you know, somebody says he's as big as four people. And I think Simon refers to him like 350 pounds. Yeah. And the biggest, meanest Mexican they've ever seen, quote. (laughs) Uh, He's also covered in tattoos, which is going to be interesting. And so, I mean, that nails, that that description of him nails the guy on the artwork. Yes, it does. No question. I, I just have to, I mean... We didn't say it last time, but this is what we believe is one of the behemoths, one of the large infected guys. Right. But you'll find about find out about very very well later on. Oh yeah. And so let's talk about this ring and they call it a ticket out, you know, of here. That you know, Chuck I think knew somebody that had a ring and wasn't there very long. I'm I, I buy it in this universe. I think this is this these families are probably pretty powerful and might be able to get people like him out. Yeah. Chuck believed that people that were connected to the family or the family had, you know, some kind of leverage over some of the people that work for the prison system or the jails or, you know, city works or anything like that. And if you know, kind of mafia and mob lore anyways, I mean, that's, that happened. That that has happened in the past. Probably still happens. Oh yeah. I mean, no, I I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know nothing. I probably was never, never happened. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think it's important to believe that about this universe, but I just, I get a feel that, yeah, this is probably the way it works. Oh yeah. And okay. So towards the last part of this particular scene, before I get to the next piece is, uh, Chuck, as he's thinking about, you know, these family guys getting out at the very end, he snaps and he's like, where's my freaking bus? And I love this scene. He's just the emotion and the way that the actor uh, delivers this line. I don't know. I really dug it. Fredo's been in here a tenth of my time. Why shouldn't he go? Where's my beep and bust? Chuck, shut up. 
He rages out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, that guy, I mean, just nailed it. Oh, yeah. That's Kim Estes plays Chuck Miller. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I would like to get a chance to talk to him. Oh, we, we will definitely be doing some interviews. Mm-hmm. So it's about this time. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy well, catches something going on outside the door. Yes, he does. And he says weird. Well, he said another word, dude. He uses sentence enhancers. <laughs> and he's talking to him about, uh, well, you know, there was mention before this that they were dressing a guy up. He had a nice suit. And I automatically assume that's ink in his pinstripe suit. Yes, that's what I was thinking. But he sees ink here, and he's covered in tattoos. They said the ink is so fresh, he's still bleeding. And Chuck's the one that, in this, that gives him the name, Ink. Yeah, he names him a new celebrity. I don't know that guy. His head's still bleeding. It's really fresh ink. That's his name. Our new celebrity. Then we go to hear about. I forget what the ad was, but it was oh, Casey though. Did you listen? You listened to the regular release ad. I did. Oh, okay. Because in the uh, in the Kickstarter release, mm-hmm. there was like a. It's just an odd break in there, and I was like, oh, is that a commercial break? Because then it came back and repeated the last line. Yeah, there's a commercial break. It's a pretty reputable ad, I believe. Like something yeah. I something I heard of before. I don't can't recall what it was, but Casey did a good job of. Um, Delivering it. I was just listening. I was like, is this Casey? Pretty sure it uh, is. You know, I may do that. I, 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 list, I listen to this over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But I probably should have went out and downloaded the the regular release, too, near the end, just to get the latest and greatest to see if there's any changes or figure out what... See, I, I just kind of wanted to know what the commercials are. Because they're like... Uh, what was it? Reef Systems, Inc.? Reef Systems, Inc. I mean, it's such a memorable thing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So Chuck starts talking about ink in this next, you know, set of scenes. And he says that this guy is involved in a high-profile murder case. And we find out that a guy named Cohen tattooed him. And Cohen got caught and was sent to solitary confinement. Yes, and he's a named character from season four. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But there's, I don't, I don't think there's a reference to him in the, uh, in the wiki. Oh, that's interesting. I checked, I checked my notes and I found him a few different times as just basically just a guy named for tattooing ink. That yeah, that's what I had in mind too. But I couldn't find him in the wiki. But I, I was in there today. I was adding some stuff to the wiki, and it's a little clunky, and the search doesn't work superbly. So. It might be in there. It may just be buried. Yeah. So, uh, door opens shortly after this, and Danny said she'd called someone trying to get a, a van to come. Yes, right before that, though, and I thought this is interesting enough to point out. If you can hear the guards in the background yelling at Ink to get in the van, mm-hmm. and they even say, do you understand me? Or maybe he's just trying to make a name for himself. I was kind of wondering what's going on in his head at this moment, because we know he doesn't get infected until he's out in the transport van when it gets taken over from the infected. Right, and that's that happens, I believe, outside the courthouse. Right, and we know this from series one, uh, from some news footage they found on a DVR inside of a uh, an apartment complex. 
Um. Now, there, I was trying to figure out where you were picking up because I was wanting to talk about the tattoo meanings. Do you have that discussion in your notes? Sure, yeah. Just before Danny came in, Chuck mentions uh, he got some tats whenever he got in, uh, basically because he was scared. Um, yeah, it was a a gang, a pri- or you know, like a prison gang, but it's jail. Mm-hmm. But it's called DCB, and he said he's going to scratch it off as soon as he got out, and it was a mistake. Which I think also confirmed that Chuck, I think, is a pretty good guy. I mean, he made some stupid mistakes, but he seemed he seemed like he uh, doesn't want anything to do with crime in general. Right, he doesn't, and I could totally see this happening. I mean. Uh, especially if it's a white collar crime like this and he's in jail and it's a scary place. Uh, you might try to find security in whatever you can. Oh yeah. Uh, have you ever watched American history X? <laughs> uh, it's been a while, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think that was oh, a yeah, pleasant, which... pleasant thing. <laughs> no. And I went out to kind of research DCB and that movie actually popped up in the search results. Really, and I I didn't go too far down the rabbit hole, but I was kind of wondering if that's where it was pulled from. You know, I meant to look that one up, but I I thought it was just going to be created, like, and I think I was guessing the Mexicazi was a, a fig, uh, you know, a fictionary gang, but I didn't look them up either. Yeah, I didn't get I didn't get too far into it. I didn't want to make assumptions, but and it may have been a que- uh, complete coincidence that that movie came up when I searched DC. Right. So uh, I, I do have notes. Basically, this last segment that I have is from Ink coming out till the end of it. But uh, just continuing on covering this, this couple of the beats, they all, you know, these people in the transport section are getting lined up and brought outside of the transport room they're in, getting ready to get into the different vehicles they'll be uh, going to their places in. When uh, an alarm goes off, just a tone, and inmates are told to face a wall, and then a bell alarm starts to go off. And when this happens, they're put back into the holding room. And at that point, um, another, like another alarm goes off. I mean, it's just going crazy when, uh, it's yelled out lockdown. Ah, ah, he said it. He said it. And, uh, this episode is over. Oh, man. I got something for you to insert before that. Oh, no. We're, we're going to cover all this right now. So, yeah, Chuck's in DCB. I could see how he could be doing that. And Danny, she, there's a point in this where she even opens a door to the transport area. And says, hey guys, uh, talking to somebody in particular, I think maybe Chuck, saying, hey, I called ahead and we're trying to get your transportation lined up. And basically almost apologizing, like, sorry, it's taking so long. So she really must be new. She's being super nice to these guys. (laughs) She's not jaded yet. She's definitely not uh, what you you see a lot of times when you're looking at correctional officers. And 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 for good reason, because, I mean, these guys, it's very dangerous. It's a life and death situation a lot of times. Yeah, she even points out that traffic has been crazy. I called ahead and pulled some strings. They're holding the trial for you. Transport will be here in less than 20. Same for the rest of you. Traffic's been crazy. And I'm wondering, is that because the outbreak has already started? Is You know, like the traffic on the freeway in episode one when Michael's trying to get to his unit? Yeah, I've got to believe that it has to be part of that. Except the only thing that makes me think that is, you know, refreshing my memories... Chapter one, part one. There's a like a big explosion noise that happens, like early on, I believe. Oh and yeah, we, we haven't heard that yet. So either it was not near this location that it happened, or 
we're going to he- going to hear it next episode. Hmm, that's a good point. And I have a couple more refreshers here. And they mentioned Austin McKibben. Yes. Yes, which is a name that that we'll be familiar with from you know if you want listen to season four, especially if you listen to this fancast because we were doing some detective work with all the listeners. <laughs> trying to figure out who this guy was, but he turned out to be another one of the behemoths, which is this the big Hulk like um big Hulk like super zombie yeah. Super zombie. Yeah, special zombies. Special infected. And he was became known as the arrowhead behemoth because he had yeah. an arrow shot in his head that was just never taken out. Oh yes. From our our wonderful uh uh Riley from Riley. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it Riley that shot him in the head? I believe so, yeah. And it was awesome. I pulled from my notes, you know, when they had all the folostatin and the different chemicals mentioned last time. I've got a list of the few different behemoths. I'm not gonna talk about all of them just yet, but on one of these one of these names is Clarence Cohen and there's scribbles. There was like scribbles uh, either on his door or uh, they're on notes actually on a printout. Hmm. So I don't know. I have to if, look I think, that one up. I can't remember if Cohen had his first name mentioned on this episode, but I don't remember it being Clarence if it was. But there's printouts of who I was in each go. cell, jail made. So yeah, we we huh. hear Austin McKibben get something printed out in this in this segment here, which is funny because the sound for it is a dot matrix printer, and I laughed. Oh, it is. I laughed for a minute, and then I looked up where dot matrix printers are being used or why they would be used. I couldn't find specifically that they're used in jails or prisons, but. Uh, the only reason they're used anymore is because they have impact technology and that can be used with multi-part forms. And I was like, well, that could make sense. You're doing like a chain of custody with people. You might need to have multi-part forms. So while I was laughing at a dot matrix printer, it might have been used on purpose. <laughs> yeah, Gavin uh, pointed out that he ran out of carbon paper for Austin McKibben's transfer papers. Oh, good catch. Yeah, so they definitely meant to use it. Oh, yeah. So, man, that, just that attention to detail. And they're, well, they're, you know, they're still used in automotive stores, too, for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, okay, did you catch what Sallyport was? Was Sally that just Port. that? Is that just the open bay area where the, the big doors are and the vans go inside and they load up? They, they mentioned something called Sallyport, and I didn't really pay attention to it the first couple of times because there's I'm listening for other things, mm-hmm. and I, I caught it near the one of my last takes on it and I could never figure out exactly what it was for. That sounds about right. But no, I, I didn't take a note and I don't know what that is for sure, but it sounds good to me. Hmm. You know, after the second alarm, what's his name? Mark says to put everyone back in the holding room to include the female. Right. So they're, you know, this is a thing that's going to lock down. They don't have time to move her to the female holding room, I guess. Well, I think they put other pe- people in there since you left. So, because it's overcrowded, they they said they were doing construction in seventh block, right? And the jail was already over full, overfilled, which is a common problem. Mm-hmm. And the the effects, the sound effects as the prison go into lockdown, I think were really good. And as I listened to them over and over again, it it felt as real as it could possibly be while being in an audio drama, so excellent work there, We're Live crew. It was kind of one of those almost goosebumpy moments the more I listened to it. I was like, man, this is really good, and I, can, I was getting into it. Yeah, and I, I was kind of wondering, I was like, okay, because 
So a big reason that it went off was because of something happening in the eighth block. And uh, I was wondering, is, is this normal jail activity or is part of the outbreak happening there? Hmm. That's a good point. Now, let's see, a refreshing... I need to refresh my memory a little bit here. The outbreak, the origin came from the gases that came up there after an earthquake, right? Well, that's what we're left assuming. Right, that's the best we can come up from with. Series one. There's an, and I guess there was an earthquake, but really there was just gases that came up. Now we don't get really mention of an earthquake, just that explosion that happens. That yeah, Michael talks about in journals about in episode one. Well, and I'm wondering. No, because I didn't really consider that before. So when you said it, I was like, well, now I think we'll I'll have to wait until the next one to really find out. I was trying to find the name of the location that had the ground rip open. Ah, here it is. Uh, ground Zero was in Inglewood. Now, where is the Twin Towers? It is not on here. Dang it. Says downtown LA. Where Twin Towers is? So I'm, I'm just trying to link it up to see if they would have felt or heard it. Right. Th- do you remember what university? I wonder if you went to Chapman. <laughs> if Michael went to Chapman University. It's not called Chapman University. It's called Oh, let me go out here and look. It's it's got it's got a pseudonym. Um Santa Rohe College near Disneyland in Orange County, California. <laughs> We'll have to get out the map and the little uh, push pins with the strings. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to figure this out. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we, we're probably going to turn on episode two since we've, I've already got it. We can. Oh, yes. We'll probably find out pretty quickly. I'll be probably listening. hear it. Okay, so we were talking about where ground zero was for the, in, the start of the infection, which was the gas and all that, and the explosion or earthquake or whatever happened that created the cracks in the in Englewood that brought up the gas. Yeah. And we're thinking, we're trying to figure out what's happening over in Block 8 that's causing this lockdown, or if that's what's causing the lockdown. Because there's the disturbance in Block 8, and there's also uh, traffic issues, too. And we know that played a role after the outbreak started. Right. Ooh. And all, all the inmates are going to be chained to the floor in this transportation room. Well, poor Jody has to go to the bathroom. But, yeah, I was talking about how I appreciated and liked the the lockdown sirens and all that that were going on. And at the end, the tornado sirens go off outside. That's what really uh, brought me to peak goosebump. Oh, yeah. Well, that I, that was for the prison, too, or the jail, right? That wasn't I don't just... know. See, that, to me, that sounded like it was coming from outside and it was the tornado sirens. But the rest of the bells and tones were for the jail. Huh. Yeah, I thought it had to do with that, too. Like, it was all jail sounds. But now I'm really excited for episode two. Well, they would have been using those air raid or tornado sirens. I'm not sure what they call them in California. (laughs) I mean, I'm not sure if they... I mean, I'm sure they get tornadoes and crazy weather every now and then, but not like Arkansas or any place else in or around Tornado Alley. Oh gosh, I know everybody gets tornadoes. <laughs> I'm just seeing some, the, some the more so than others. So, do you have anything else for that last scene? For that last scene, I don't have anything else to talk about. 
unless I just want to rip off you if you do. But I have uh, some notes for the credit piece and some just final notes to go over after we're done with this piece. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so then we go to the credits, and there's the new music, the new We're Live music, and it's got some bass with it. And I don't know, I love it. And I'm I'm glad it's not the exact same thing. I was hoping it would be, you know, some small tweaks to it, but mostly it's it's the same melody and everything, so I like it. Yeah. Also, uh, did you, did you notice that there's a one special name in the credits that's uh, that we know as a listener? There may be other listeners in the credits, but uh, this one listener, I'm guessing, got one of the good Kickstarter packages. Which Adam Young? Oh yeah, yeah, Adam Young. So congrats, Adam. Wow, you are a part of We're Live History. <laughs> I mean, you already were to begin with, but now you're actually in the credits. Uh, you know, I didn't think to try to figure out what voice he was, though. I don't know if he was one yet or not, was he? I don't know, but he's he's put into this one. Maybe they're using the same exact credits for each one, which would make sense. But no, I'm, I'm looking forward to figuring out, figuring out what part he plays. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, we, I wish more... I wish I could have done that. That would have been really cool. That would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, final notes. Some more of these. Okay, on the inmate jumpsuit colors, this is I spent a little bit of time just googling and looking around to try to find out you know what these mean out in the real world. And it turns out these are these are coming from real world type of prison jumpsuits. I watched a few videos about Twin Towers Jail to get a the feel for the inside of it and how it looks and all that. I don't want to tour it. I don't want to <laughs> visit it any any other way. But YouTube is as close as I want to get. It's uh, as we as we talked about in season four, Twin Towers Jail is the largest jail in the world. Is it really? Wait, well, it's the largest jail in the nation. Let me say that for sure. It may be the largest jail in the world, but it's the largest jail in the nation. Uh, and I don't think it even comes close. To, I don't think anything else comes close to it. That's but, um, that's insane. I saw a lot of the yellow top and blue bottoms. Um, and that means that they're on medication. And most of them, uh, as described in these videos uh, by the people that worked there, were mentally ill. Oh, really? Like, there was some, like, uh, people with, like, serious, like, schizophrenic problems down to maybe not um, as advanced as that. But so yeah, they're mentally ill. It's got me to thinking about Chuck. Well, that that's that's insane, right? And they may—I don't know how what they consider mentally ill. They could just say, "Hey, if you need medicine to help you focus on something, maybe that maybe they considered that even something." <laughs> I don't know what actually how they classify that. And I know it gets really touchy in there, and I'm not trying to offend anyone there for sure. But uh, that that's how they classify them with the yellow top, blue bottoms. Hmm. Um. And blue top, blue bottom, as we talked about, general population. Orange top, orange bottom. That that yellow couldn't be orange top, could it? No, I'm pretty sure it's yellow. Um, the link that I was at, and I, I cross referenced a few different one of these, a few different of these, because they were I didn't couldn't find any like you know, dot gov places that explain the these things. It was mostly people that had been in jail explaining it. And, but most of these seem to, to uh, have the same descriptions, so I pulled it from multiple sources. Uh, orange top, orange bottom were called high power, quote, uh, likely a murderer or rapist, or criminals highly publicized by the media. So, orange is the new black? I don't know. That seems like a general pop type color, at least when, when it comes to uh, popular culture. 
Red Top, Red Bottom, we've seen that one. Fredo, this, uh, they said it was inmate contempt of court, or uh, dan- and the guy says, and I think dangerous gang leader or mafia leaders, and this person hadn't seen any Red Top, Red Bottom inmates, and uh, <laughs> I don't think you'd want to. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, and this is a partly a prison list, and Black Tops and Black Bottoms, uh, condemned inmate. Convicted and sentenced to death by the courts, waiting for waiting to be transferred to. Well, no, I guess so. It could be jail. Waiting to be transferred by CDCR, probably some kind of California something to San Quentin. Yeah, California Department of Corrections. Right. So to round out our prisoners in Twin Towers, uh, Jeremy Andrews, blue jumpsuit, general population. Simeon Eklund, tan jumpsuit. I put Gen Pop question mark. I think that's yeah, that's what I caught out of this. But I don't know why they. Maybe they just have two different colors for gender population. Uh, Chuck Miller, uh, yellow, yellow and blue jumpsuit, possibly quote mentally ill from this these lists and the videos that I saw. In, and most people that were in these videos were yellow and blue jumpsuits. Yeah, the uh, so I don't know if everybody's familiar with the Kickstarter campaign, but in there they have a list of some of the characters and kind of a really short list of like character attributes mm-hmm. and for chuck miller they have white collar criminal who's been serving a sentence unequal to the crime committed he's bitter older caustic and he's a he's a smart aleck yeah chuck's got me very interested in his story if he's got some other problems besides just being hung up i wonder why if there's some reason that he's getting hung up and not being able to get this trial done with they keep they say to run into the complications. I think there's there might be some mystery to that. I'm looking forward to hearing some more about it. Yeah, well that just may be the well, what do you call it? The prison industrial complex. <laughs> oh, no. No question. That that could be wouldn't even have to uh to describe it. Just know that, you know, sometimes the system doesn't work the way that we hoped it would. Well, uh we also from those short descriptions we find out stuff that we did not find out in the show yet. Uh, like Jody is, uh, an inmate because she's been charged with computer related crimes. Oh, good. She's going to be the, the hacker nerdy person who can do things <laughs> on the computer that we see on TV shows. Yes. Bypass the mainframe <laughs> and reverse the polarity as Ash will tell you. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope they say bypass the mainframe. Yes. Bypass the mainframe happens every day. All right. Before we move out of this section and on to some other, like, uh, questions for the season or what the chapter brought us, ratings and favorite lines. Do you have anything else before we get, move on? Uh, I cannot think of anything. All right. So do you have, you have any fun theories? I think you mentioned one earlier. I, I do. I want to hear. I might have muted myself too early there, but yeah, <laughs> let's hear them. I so, have one that I'm not really sure is even a theory, but I'm... I, I kind of feel like Simon's playing everybody. Oh, I think I think that's, that, that's what I have. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he seems to know a lot of details for someone that is not even a high school graduate. I mean, he's trying to play himself off as being lesser than or weaker, and that he's not intelligent. He's. I feel like he when he describes Chuck, he's describing himself, which may lead up to why those characters aren't adding up quite, like you say. Uh, he asked a lot of questions. He noticed details about the colony. He's asking questions about the colony. Uh, I, yeah, I think, I think it plays into it too with the foreshadowing about, you know, 
He's locked to the table. What is he going to do? Mm-hmm. He knows the inmates. He knows the jumpsuit colors. He knows the the managers, the names. He knows why all of them are there. I mean, I know he is the narrator, but he knows a lot. It's like he's a con man. Yeah. So I think in the, I think before it's all said and done, the person he's describing as Chuck, a good portion of that is him. Yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> now I had this question from the preview. I don't know if I mentioned it, but I wonder if Simon is one of the, the guys who was tested on and if he has any abilities. And as you're talking and I'm thinking more about it, uh, and any listeners who haven't listened to the chapter 48 finale of season four and don't want to be spoiled on it, it's going to warn you, go ahead and skip ahead about 30 seconds, 30 seconds to two minutes. Um, cause I'm about to spoil the ending here. But what if he's one of the special ones that we didn't get to see, but that is referenced as, um, that Saul mentions you're right as he's seeing these new ones that were, that Ink had experimented on. What if he's one of these new ones that's, I don't know, you can't tell unless they mutate or whatever they do. That's crazy. That would be interesting. That would be really interesting. But I don't know. I think, I think there's more to him than, than meets the eye. Uh, I, I think so too. Out. And I kind of hope that he's, uh, was tested on and might have some abilities that could, that <laughs> 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 this means more Bert. Help oh him yeah. Him down. <laughs> I, um, what I'm hoping it's not is that he's one of the family members to those, those mafia type families. Right. Unless there's something that gets really interesting with them. Like, say, I was glad he brought that he, you know, is keeping them in there because they're part of the original story. But he, Casey always had to downplay any kind of family stuff as related to the origin of the zombie apocalypse. Right. And so maybe that's why I'm not as interested in the story about the families. I just never was. I mean, I was, Glad it was part of the story, just never all that into going down that tunnel. I wouldn't either. It, I, it was cool to identify them and piece things together for certain things that were related, but at the end of the day, I, I, I just don't have a whole lot of interest in it. Yeah. But if he does, I'm sure it'll make it compelling. So, uh, Yeah, so uh, sorry for you know knocking you in the shins if that is the case. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and I didn't. I meant to make a section for this, but... You know, we didn't do any preseason predictions or anything for this, and I don't know if I have any other than maybe Simeon has got more than what he says he is. Did you have any more theories or predictions to talk about? Well, it can't get too bad because we know CJ... Well, again, spoiler from Season 1, we know CJ's alive in the future. Yeah. We know Puck's alive in the future, but we have not heard from Oliver before, so he might he might get... Killed pretty early on. Right, or it, he could be working on the inside or something. A spy. Ooh. Probably not. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know Bert's safe. Yep. And... So, okay, here's, here's, here's something we could talk about. Uh, so Simon, he's made it out of Twin Towers somehow. Does anybody else in the story make it out not a zombie? Oh. We're pretty sure Fredo does. Has anybody else survived this story besides Simeon, Simon? Hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of hoping Jody does. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping some of them show up later on to be like, hey, this guy is no good. Right. Just It didn't seem like Casey to 
kill them all off because <laughs> he, you know, he saved he saved some pretty good chunk of people for the the colony and um, everything that happened. But I don't know. This could just go really dark and everybody dies. Yeah, you know that. And there's that whole line that CJ has too about the story's not uh, the story's told by the strong, not the weak, because the weak don't have any. Right. And which seems foreshadowing again. You know, are all these people weak? Is that why we're only hearing from Simon? Oh, yeah. There's no way he's stronger than than Fredo just looking at him. No, which makes me think that he's at least really smart, which was why I, I developed the theory I did. But I don't know. I could be completely wrong. Which leads me to one more thing. Um, things are going to go bad. These guys are stuck in this place all chained to the floor on these benches in a room they can't get out of even if they were unchained uh and i'm guessing jeremy the trustee is going to have to figure out how to get them out of the chains or fredo's going to be so strong he can break out of them but or it just happens that ink comes back and <laughs> they just sit there i don't know well he's intelligent you know ink is intelligent mm-hmm. and he'll have keys to the castle he'll be in complete control so they're not going to have much of a choice. No. So, All right. So that wraps that up. I'm ready to move the favorite lines of the show, unless you're one of the leading to have anything I'm, else. I'm ready. Okay. Favorite lines. I've only pulled one out for the remaining time since the preview. And the one I have here is when Simon jokes that he just got off an all-rat diet. thought that was pretty funny. And, you know, I think it fits that mine is a... Mine was when Chuck said, I'll call out my own BS. Because that probably fits my theory. Because mm. it may be BS. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> About Simon? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, I, you know, but I don't know. That was just a feeling I had, even the first list. Yeah. All right. So ratings out of five stars or five whatevers. You sticking with the... Uh, Five. Look at the red beard. Five. Five out of five. Okay. This Maybe is... even six. <laughs> <laughs> Just get me more alive. We'll give you whatever you want. Uh, this one has grown on me uh, the more I listen to it. I was a little surprised when it took the entire episode to reach the lockdown phase where things start to happen. But that's not really a weak point. Uh, because the rest of it, the character building and introductions and all that was really, really strong. So uh going to give... a. F- Four and a half for this, with high expectations for the rest of lockdown. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot in there. Like I said, I had 12 pages of notes. That is crazy. I went a little I went a little overboard. And <laughs> <laughs> ready to do it again for episode two. Oh, I know. <laughs> hopefully we can uh, record that and get that out the same week so we can catch up. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... And the, in the news, we have a little bit, not big news, this is more like Wayland Production news. Uh, I made a joke about starting the PK fancast for Policy Kings fancast with, you know, the audio drama you mentioned last time, where Casey Wayland's group's gonna be producing for, uh, a podcast with Lawrence Fishburne and Lawrence Tate. And apparently he said, don't, he said, not so fast, my friend, uh, basically because Policy Kings, the name is gonna be changing from that to something else. Oh, yeah. Oh, we do have one other thing for the news. Yes, what's that? Happy birthday, Jay Allegorio. Happy birthday, Jay. Yeah, as we record, today is your birthday. 
<laughs> Hopefully you're listening to that too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you need a good laugh, go listen to the interview with Jay Allegario. He's a funny, funny guy. Oh my God. And a question of the week. I've got one for you guys. Uh, what is your favorite podcast that isn't related to We're Alive? Tweet us, Facebook us, or email us. We'd love to hear it and share it next week. Cool. On to the listener mail, tweets, and Facebook posts. Do you want to take one of these or let me read them? Uh, go ahead and read them. I got some stuff from the forum. Sure. And this is uh, the first one is related to kind of the spoiler thing we were talking about. And it reads, Hey guys, Shalene here. I'm listening to your preview coverage episode, and I wanted to weigh in on the subject of spoilers. You should absolutely go full spoilers on the original series. With Fallout off the record, we had some listeners that were very vehement that we stay spoiler-free. We were very behemoth that we stay spoiler-free. We did so, and uh, I added that last part of the bit. She's not that silly. She's cool. Uh, <laughs> she continues, we did so, and it was really hard. The result was that often, uh, the result was a show that was often lukewarm, when we had things to say that could have made the discussion so much better. We'll talk about that on the spoiler cast, we would tell ourselves. Of course we forgot. Don't let spoiler culture shackle you. Not trying to say you should be uh, censored jerks and open with, quote, major person is dead. Uh, give, a ma give a warning before a major spoiler. I just want to say that it's stressful and frustrating when you have something. Well, basically, the rest of it just goes on about... Uh, trying to help us out and giving us the feedback that we asked for about um, whether you guys whether you guys wanted us to do spoilers or not. So I think this pretty much guided the way we went with it. So yeah. I'm going to try to call out major spoilers, but for the most part, we're going to do these refreshers and uh, help refresh people's memory on the original four, uh, four seasons if they weren't listening to it. She finishes with, try not to die, Shalene, which is a great <laughs> way to end an email. Thank you, <laughs> yes. It's thank you, Shalene. And if you guys play Fallout, definitely check out Fallout off the record. It's a really good podcast. All right. The uh, next email is from James A. Nerd. It says, hey, guys, it's nice to have you back on the air again. It's been too long since we've had fresh We're Alive to talk about. I agree. He continues, in your last podcast, you asked what we've all been into, what we've all been up to in the dark, uncultured period of time since We're Alive concluded. <laughs> Well, one of the things I did was search for audio, another audio drama that captured my attention the way We're Alive did. I checked out a bunch of different shows. The only one I found even remote, that even remotely approached the same level of engaging audio entertainment is Lime Town. Lime, L-I-M-E, Town. It's a great mystery, well-written, well-put-together, but it's in the style of an NPR special report rather than an audio theater that Casey does. If you guys have any other suggestions... Uh, do let me know. I'm eager for more. And I'll pause this. You've sent me a couple recently that you were listening to, Redbeard. Yeah. Uh, what was... Uh, there's a couple of them. That, if you go out to Facebook and you look for Theater of the Mind, there is a ton of stuff that comes up. But let me pull up the old podcatcher. All right. I'll continue while you're doing that. Uh, to pass the time, now I listen to audiobooks. They're great, but they're not the same level of immersion that where life has. I've listened to the first two episodes of Lockdown now, and I'm loving it. I supported their, curse, kick, <laughs> their Kickstarter the first time it was up, and I'm so glad to see all this coming to fruition. Question that you guys might know. On some episode, episode of Apartment 2C, Casey and Grayson talked about remastered versions of the We Are Live episodes coming out soon. Do you guys know about this? No one might get them. 
I was going to listen to the series newly, but I figured I should wait for these remasters. And I do know, I messaged Casey, I saw on 2C they were talking about they had released a few of them, I guess, maybe to get looked at. He replied, yeah, actually, I, uh, we, they're out there, all of them. It's all remastered. <laughs> seasons, <laughs> seasons 1 through 3. And, of course, Season 4 was top-notch to begin with, so he didn't have to do that one. But so yeah, chapters one through thirty-six completely remastered. Uh, yeah, if you guys are not familiar with John Bennett, uh, he's the one that does a lot of the website for We're Live. He does manages the forums and all that stuff. So uh, he has a podcast with Trey Cisco called Hide Over There Podcast, uh, which is hilarious. Um, and then I've been listening to this other one. It's pretty good. It's called Mix Super Comic Cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I have a really engaging guest every now and then with a colorful beard. <laughs> and the other one I've been listening to that's it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's it's different. I think the guy that's doing it is a little new to a lot of things, but he, it's it's pretty good so far. It's called Return Home. That's and, it. Uh, what was the other one with the that was sponsored by a large company? Like it had to do with medical oh, stuff. That was that was pretty good. That was the message. The message. I was wanting to call it the signal. I was like, that's not right. The message was interesting. Yeah, you may have heard it. It's, it was for a podcast at least. If you listen to like Star Talk and stuff like that, they advertised over there. It's uh, the story is that we received a message from aliens like back in the World War Two times. Yeah, something like that. And they're they're trying to look into what it's about, and it follows Nikki Tomlin or something like that. A journalist. Uh, it was done in a kind of a feel like serial, and you always expected someone to start talking about rich chocolate Ovaltine during it. But other than that, <laughs> it was pretty good. Yes. Let's see here from my GE watch. No, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't do that, but they could have. And I'll finish up his email. He says, thanks for the show and keep up the good work. This part's really cool. Um, the Weird Life Fancast was one of the inspirations that led me to start my own podcast with a few friends of mine called Nerds with a Mic. Mm. We'll have an episode coming up in May or June that will cover We're Alive, which I'm pretty excited about. If I can have just one more person listening to this series, it's totally worth it. And cool, man. I mean, I appreciate you sharing that with us. That uh, That's really neat to hear somebody say that because I think about a lot of the podcasters I listen to and how they got me into this just by listening to them. Yeah, that's very awesome. So thank you, James. Let's see. Holy cow. He's already got 27 episodes out there. Wow. He's been busy. Huh, I'll check that out. We also got some uh, feedback from the forums. Uh, I posted. Did we? Out, yeah. I posted out underneath uh, episode one and said, Hey, we're getting ready to do our coverage of episode one post here. Awesome. Osiris put up, looking forward to it, bearded brother. <laughs> uh, KP Coyote, uh, someone, he said, uh, you should get Cat E to talk about her part in the 15 minutes teaser episode one appearance. She plays a great colony soldier. What? Hmm, maybe it's not Hope. Unless that's Hope's uh, name. I don't think it is. Yeah, we have to dig into that and find out. Uh, cause, is that our cat? Like, cat that went to L.A. with us? I'll have to ask her. Definitely and do that. then Storm said, possibly brainstorm on what Angel did to earn his ring. Comment on how awesome Bogart is. I think he, I think that because 
That constant freestyling reminds me of an old friend. Lots of fun stuff in episode one. And that's it. Too cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, we have one comment on Facebook, which, of course, you can comment on Facebook uh, with your thoughts. And we try to do like a lockdown thread for you to put stuff on each episode. So if that's easier for you, definitely do that. Uh, Peter B on Facebook says, We're Alive is back. Mick and Redbeard are back. To quote Puck, because there is never a bad time to do that, out Falcon standing. Welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for messaging us. With that, and with that, we reach uh, the conclusion section of the show. Part one in the books. Part one in the books. I'm excited to go listen to part two. I am too. I don't see. This is strange. We never did a show where we were behind an episode, so this is a, this is new territory. I feel I I gotta I gotta catch up. I gotta get back into the groove. I've just been busy with so many things here lately. Oh yeah, there's a lot going on, and it's, I think this was my last week of a uh, couple sports my daughter plays. So I'm gonna have a little bit more free time in the evenings. I I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm gonna I'm blocking out time for it. I'm gonna try to get it done during lunches and things. What I may end up doing is taking my my walks during lunch around the lake, right, and uh, bringing a little notebook in my pocket. <laughs> that way, I can kind of multitask. Well, that'll get it done. Well, uh, you guys can reach us at the Facebook page. Search, you know, we're live or WA Fancast. We are at WA Fancast on Twitter. You can email us. At wafancast at gmail dot com, and that's that's all I have. I always think of what I wish I would have said in the conclusion after we've already concluded the podcast. So I guess that's time. Guess <laughs> <laughs> that means we're here. We're here. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> Anyways, lovely listener. Sorry, I love that term when I hear other podcasters use it. I'm gonna I'm totally gonna steal it. We hope to talk to you here pretty soon, covering episode two. Be looking for it. I'm Mick. And I'm Redbeard. Good night. Good day. Bye-bye. Good day.